Welcome back to Instigating with Clarky and Drury, brought to you by our friends at Conway Furniture here on Highway 86 East End of Listowel. Larry Hudson, Chevrolet Buick GMC, and of course, the Listowel Squash Courts. I'm very pleased to be joined by a great local athlete from Brussels, Ty Sebastian. Ty, how are you, my friend? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing this, man. I know you're busy. We're actually chatting with you as you're on the way over to the Silver Stick Tournament in Wingham. And uh, you're you're a busy guy. We understand that. But you're also now a very well-decorated guy, the winner of Softball Canada's 2023 Men's Fast Pitch Athlete of the Year. Congratulations, man. How's that sound? Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, I kind of lost you there for a second, Ryan. But uh, no, thanks a lot. It was a pretty good award to win. Uh, culminates from a real good season. Yeah, you had an incredible season. Let's start internationally. Obviously, silver with Team Canada at the Men's World Cup over in New Zealand. And I think a lot of people around here are familiar with your your pitching exploits. You actually had to fill in its second base during that tournament as well. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. And obviously, probably pretty proud to bring some hardware home for Canada. Yeah, it was a whirlwind for sure going to that, uh, being added late especially. Colorado was awesome to play in some pretty big games down there, especially filling in at second base there late in the tournament was pretty cool as well. And, you know, again, we, we kind of know you as a pitcher, but you fill in at second base, and not only do you fill in, you, you hit a home run, you had a, a few ribbies as well. Uh, that probably had to feel pretty good to kind of maybe step into a position you're not – always familiar with playing and and perform that way yeah it felt pretty good especially off the bat and you're just thinking get out get out and then when it does it's like all the the cheers in the stands it really sinks in when you finally hit your first uh, national team home run that's for sure now, obviously, you know, your, your pitching exploits in the tournament weren't anything to sniff at either. In in your first start there during the, the run to the silver medal, you struck out 12 of the 15 batters you saw. You know, when you're in a zone like that, what's that feel like when you're up there on the mound mowing through batters like that? What does that feel like as a pitcher? Well, I was just – the mindset in that game was just keep pounding the zone. And, well, the guy's got a lot of runs for me anyway, and – uh just kept pounding the zone. Didn't want to give up any runs myself. And uh, just kept pounding. Me and the catcher got on the same page early and just kept throwing strikes. And uh, we definitely came out on the right side of that one, too. And that was my real first pitching experience with the national team as well. So it uh, was definitely a, a real good game to pitch in, that's for sure. Well, it's not going to be your last one. I, I think we're all pretty confident in that. You know, it, it was great enough. You know, you win a silver medal. It's incredible. You, you appear for your country. It's incredible stuff. Domestically, you might have had an even better season. Obviously, at the men's championship this year, you helped the Toronto Batsmen go 8-0 in the tournament. You pitched incredibly. You were named the MVP of the preliminary round and the championship round. And I think a big part of that might have had to do with the final game. Uh, you pitched in one of the most epic finals that'll be talked about around the game for a long time. What do you remember about that 15 inning epic in the final game? Uh, I didn't think it was ever going to end to be completely honest. Well, when we have a, I think we were supposed to slate, slate to start at three o'clock and I'm pretty sure by about three 30 quarter four, we were already rain delayed. And then we ended up going back to the hotel rooms. And I think we didn't start back up till 8 PM that night. And, just uh, the rain delay was the best thing that ever happened for me in particular. I was just pretty tight going in and 
loosen the body up and then went 14 innings more. And next thing you know, we walk away with a gold medal. That's for sure. That's interesting to hear because, yeah, the, the game gets rain delayed. You guys had to stop and then start again. And I was just going to ask you that, like what that would feel like, because some athletes, depending on the sport, of course, would, you know, maybe feel a little different and not perform as well going out and getting cold coming back in. You're saying you kind of felt the opposite. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for the first part of the game there, I didn't really feel like I had it. I uh, was just, we got, we got, our, sorry, our third base, we made a real heck of a good play at third. We doubled off. I think their second batter in a double play line out to third, then he threw over to first, and it's like, uh-oh, we're in trouble here. But uh, we settled down. We got that break. I think a bit of the nerves got to us going undefeated to the finals, and then uh, the break really settled us all down. We went back to the room, chilled out as a team, reset, refocused, and then we came back and just went right to work. Now, I, I need to mention as well, in that 15-inning epic, one of the longest finals in men's championship history, you pitched a shutout, so you can't have been feeling too bad earlier in the game, uh, but you end up pitching a shutout, of course, MVP of both stages of the tournament as well, and like I mentioned, your Toronto Batsman team went 8-0, uh, probably one of the greatest tournament runs the tournament's ever seen. Uh, you know, when you look back, you know, with still some immediacy, when you look back at what your team did at that championship, what do you remember best about that team and the run you guys went on? It was uh, it was definitely a full team effort right from uh, first pitch of the tournament right to the end. Uh, everyone contributed into some sort of victory, either playing defense, hitting. All of our pitchers pitched well. All of, like our defense was on point. Um, just little things like that, and the sponsorship on that side too. They made sure we were able to get there and stuff like that so we definitely had a good run um right from start to finish with everyone involved you know ty obviously i know you're involved in the refing community as well i know you're doing some clinics and training and stuff right here in listowel actually over at between the lines which is right next door to our friends over at the listowel squash courts what sort of stuff are you doing over there working with kids working with teams what are you up to over there well, a little bit of everything we're doing uh wednesday and thursday nights we've been doing uh a lot of group stuff uh we do group pitching and hitting on th wednesdays and then we do some uh group uh defense and hitting on thursdays as well right from u11 all the way up to u17 and then some lessons on the side as well on saturdays and stuff like that so uh a lot of kids coming through there and uh just trying to give back a little more too Ty, obviously you're a great athlete. Everybody knows that, but you know, you're obviously very generous with your time as well. You've got a great work ethic and you're clearly willing to share that with others. Where does that come from? You know, obviously you grew up in a great family. You grew up in a great place in my opinion as well. Uh, Midwestern Ontario is an awesome place to grow up. Where, where those values come from? Who instilled that in you growing up? Well, just uh, my family in general, uh, definitely seeing what, uh, other coaches have done as well, stuff like that. And they give their time up and the knowledge I've got from guys like Doug Neal is for a pitching side of it. He gave up a lot of his time to work with me and stuff like that. So uh, just giving back to the kids and hopefully seeing someone uh, push to the, to the next level as well is uh, something I really like to see.
Ty, obviously, you know, you've done a lot of great things on the mound. If a young pitcher comes to you and wants to kind of learn some fundamentals, learn, learn a couple things right out of the gate to kind of set themselves on a good path in terms of being a good pitcher fundamentally, what are a couple things right away that you're telling young pitchers? Uh, My biggest thing, I just, I want to see them throw hard. Um, Don't, don't ever take a little bit off just to throw strikes. I'd rather see a young kid be a little wild, but as long as they have the technique of uh, the power line and stuff like that, and just driving through and staying throwing hard, don't don't let bad habits take over. Um, really drive towards the catcher, stuff like that. So you want to see some people go out there. You want the whole Charlie Sheen wild thing routine. You want you want the wild thing. Pretty much, just get in there. If you're a little wild when you're younger, you can always learn uh, control later on. You can't. Well, you're obviously you're, you're, the stronger you get, the harder you throw too. But if you can throw hard at a younger age, control is going to come to you eventually. So it's definitely uh, something I strive for young pitchers to always throw hard. I, you know, I kind of joke about the, you know, the wild thing reference. Obviously, growing up, you love ball. You're a ball player. What were some of your favorite baseball movies growing up? Uh, you know, obviously there, there's a lot to choose from. Baseball, if anything, has has the best ones in my opinion. Oh, 100%. percent. Uh, Oh, to list off a few, you got Sandlot. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. Um, Major League, obviously, is always good ones. And then you got uh, Bull Durham. You can't go wrong with a with a good old rain delay. You can cause one yourself. And uh, newer ones like Moneyball, stuff like that. You got they really come out with some good ones. That's for sure. You named all three of my top three favorites there. That's fantastic. No, I completely agree. There's a lot of great ones. Uh, I want to ask you finally as well, uh, what's next for you? Obviously, I, I like I said earlier, I don't think it's the last time we're going to see you compete for Team Canada. Obviously, we're into hockey season now, but what's next for you in terms of prep for baseball and softball next year? Uh, just take a little bit of time off here, get reset for next year, and then uh... – between the lines there, I'll start doing some, uh, after I'm done some lessons and stuff like that, I'll go into the cages and whatnot and get some training in myself, um, start throwing again, probably in the new year. Um, and then the goal is, uh, 20, 2024, there's a qualifier for the national team. Uh, hopefully get on that in Saskatchewan. And then, excuse me, the real goal is, uh, 2025, uh, the world cups in Saskatchewan and then the world games are in China in 25. So those are the two real, Big goals for me, especially leading for softball the next couple of years. And uh, obviously representing the country is a big, big uh, goal of mine to keep going on, not just do it one and done kind of thing. Well, I, I certainly think that you got a lot of people in the area that are rooting for you, us included. Congrats on a great season. Congrats on the award and uh, keep this thing going, man. It's really fun to watch. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, just want to, all the people that listen and to your show and whatnot and support around local sports and stuff like that. Um, the big following I found for me this past summer, just uh, Facebook messages, the listening or watching the streams and stuff like that was uh, incredible. It's definitely Midwestern Ontario or the local towns really take over and support uh, local people. That's for sure. And it's awesome. You guys do stuff like this. Hundred percent, man. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's a pretty special area, and there's a lot of people out here supporting uh, lots of different athletes, and yourself included. Ty, thanks so much for doing this, my friend. Uh, thank you. I just want to give a quick one. Step. Uh, this wasn't possible. Like, obviously, I had a little one there in February or whatever, so it was definitely a little more important this year. 
doing all the stuff I've done, having them around. And thanks to my wife, uh, Dee, she uh, made it a lot easier for me to go out on weekends and playing ball and whatnot with her watching him. So I just want to say thanks to her as well. Well, while, while I'm on here. So. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You, you, a smart man. You, you might get in trouble if you don't, that's good. You got to squeak it in there, man. I like it. <laughs> Thanks to her. And obviously, uh, you know, congrats on the little one, have fun with that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of work, but uh, I'm sure you're having a good time with it, man. Again, thanks for doing this and congrats on a great year, man. No worries. Thanks Ryan. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more here on instigating. <laughs> Welcome back to Instigating with Clarky and Drury. Thanks again to our friend Ty Sebastian from Brussels for joining us again. The 2023 male fast pitch athlete of the year up here in Canada. Great season for him. Hasn't been a great season for our friends down in Buffalo, not only in hockey, but in football as well. And there's only one man that I wanted to come on here and talk about that. And that's my buddy, Dwayne Steinell of the Two Goalies, One Mike Podcast. Dwayne, how are you, bud? Uh, we've seen better days here in Buffalo, but, you know, let me, let's just get right into it. <laughs> I'm not going to try to uh, things uh, like uh, Let's do it. Let's, let's start with the Bills. Let's start with the Buffalo Bills, which I think might be the more disappointing of the two. Uh, we'll talk about the Sabres as well, but the, the Bills again this year entered with Super Bowl aspirations. As we record this, they're five and five. They have fired Ken Dorsey, and it's not gone well, man. That offense looks stagnant, which is baffling to me. The The defense has suffered a lot of injuries and lost to a couple opponents that are, you know, making people kind of side-eye the Bills. What's going on down there, man? It looks like it's all gone haywire. Um, Well, when it comes to the Bills, I think that, I've kind of joked about it uh, a lot this season. I feel like we've been Ralph Kruger. Um, <laughs> whether you want to put it on Dorsey, you want to put it on McDermott, it's a combination of both. I don't know. But the Josh Allen you saw at the end of 2020, 2021, uh, um, you're not seeing that guy right now. You're not the under in Dable's final year with the Bills. Um it's like they're trying to put a leash on a stallion. Like, I, I don't understand it. Like, And you see, you hear a lot of comparisons about him to Cam Newton. And, like, I goff at that, you know, because it's like he's nothing nothing like Cam Newton. Like, Cam Newton was so much more reliant on his legs than Josh Allen. Like, and, and they're very – if you line up their best seasons, like, side by side, th- like, th- with, with throwing the ball, um, Josh Allen only ran for, like, 400-ish yards – whereas Cam Newton probably doubled that. Um, Josh Allen is, is, though, however, better when he is moving his feet, whether that's in the pocket, scrambling, not necessarily running the ball upfield, but keeping the defense honest and making them respect his legs. Um, you haven't really seen that this year. Um, it's kind of come to the forefront over the last two weeks that the playbook has been very predictable that Dorsey has put out there. Um, there isn't a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, you know, like Gabe Davis runs like one of essentially two or three routes. 
Like it's not, or what, what, what was I read that when he lines up in this certain side of the field, he's doing one of two things and you can guess what he's doing before they even snap the ball, which, which of those two things it is. So it's like, there's no guessing when it came to this offense, there's like, it was very predictable and it's, it's really prevalent in some of the, uh, some of the uh, um, interceptions that Josh has thrown. Has he tried to play hero ball? Yeah. Especially in that first game against the jets. But at the end of the day, like, these got these 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 uh, defensive backs. You already know where the ball is going before the ball is even snapped, and whether it's because Josh is locking onto somebody or they're reading it before the ball is snapped uh, due to the formation, it, it's it's just been night and day different from what we had under Dable, which was you did see a lot of creativity, you did see a lot of motion. I mean, I think Josh Allen in the one season caught two touchdown passes. That's how creative that offense was. Um, it, it's just been disappointing. It's been really disappointing. Um, and it is absolutely inexcusable for a team that has a Josh Allen as its quarterback, Stefan Diggs as your number one wide receiver. You finally think you got a running back in, in, in uh, James Cook, and the offensive line essentially is playing its best it's ever played probably in the last five years. There's no excuse for them to be five and five right now. No excuse. It's a joke. Yeah, it's not been good. It's not been fun to watch. And I I often wonder, you know, they've fired Dorsey and, he, you know, there's, there's a scapegoat. And, yes, his offense was very frustrating to watch. And I agree with you. The creativity's not there. Like Gabe Davis, who, you know, burst onto the scene and looked like a really explosive number two option. There are games where they barely throw to the guy and they rely a little too hard on trying to get Stefan Diggs downfield, which has led to a lot of those interceptions. Josh Allen is tied for the league lead in turnovers. And that's another subject that it's more pronounced this year, Dwayne, but that's really been a story throughout the early part of his career and really this Bill's offense under him. He leads the league in turnovers as a quarterback since he came into the league. What do you feel is the reason behind that? Is it too much of the hero ball or is there something where Josh Allen can still improve his game? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, like uh, on Monday night, for instance, that first interception, I mean, he threw the ball right at Gabe Davis's hands, like right at his hands. We've seen that like probably three or four times this season where he's hitting receivers right in the hands and they're going off and just getting thrown it, falling into the breadbasket of a defensive back or a linebacker. Um, the second one, um, yeah, that's on Josh. Um, many say a better route could have been run there, but at the end of the day, that one was on Josh. Um, and here's the thing. You, you draw so many comparisons with Josh Allen to guys like Brett Favre. And then you get upset when he does some of the things that Brett Favre used to do outside of fraud. Um, but uh, um, sorry, that was, that was a class. Uh, that wasn't a classy joke. Uh, sorry, Brett. But um, he kind of deserves uh, it, doesn't he? Huh? He does. He kind of deserves that one. He does deserve it. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I. Uh, that's kind of like the risk you take when you have a guy like Josh on your team. Like, do I wish that he wasn't still making these mistakes? Absolutely. I wish he still wasn't making these mistakes, but um, I feel like in an offense that's better suited to his talents and his skill set. Now that we got Joe Brady, we can see that, that that'll happen. Um, <clears throat> I, I have high hopes because 
it's not even just like the interceptions. It's like you see him on the sidelines. There's a disheveled look in his face. It's like I don't, I don't want to say he's not all there. He's not committed. It's just like I feel like he's almost outside himself the way the way the games are being called and the things he's being asked to do. Um, I'm not saying Josh wants to go out there and run all over the field, but I think Josh also knows that that's when he's at his best. Like, for instance, and I know, listen, man, like I don't follow OJ Simpson. I don't care to, but outside of the fact that he butchered about five different player bills, players names in his like little Twitter video or X video, uh, I think it was yesterday. He made a lot of good points about the way the offense was being run. Like you, you're essentially you line up on a shotgun and run the ball out of shotgun. How often? And on, on like third and short or fourth and short, you're running the ball out of shotgun. You're lining your running back to start his run five yards away from where he has to get. And it makes no sense. And that's all Dorsey. And um, that's a position where I think. Two years ago under Dable, Dable isn't putting that ball in a running back's hands. He's giving that ball to Josh Allen. Like he's either nine times out of ten running that ball up the gut, or he's dropping back and throwing throwing to Diggs or throwing it to Gabe Davis when Gabe Davis was at his best under Dable. Um, I don't know. I I just I would say the only bright spot so far that we've seen this season, outside of maybe James Cook, has absolutely been Dalton Kincaid. Um, that was a home run pick, in my opinion, in the first round. Um, uh, the defense has held up really well, despite all the injuries. Um, couldn't be happy with that. McDermott's done a good job with that. But I think we're finally going to find out what this offense truly is made of under Joe Brady and how involved is Sean McDermott in, in the offense. Is it, um, it going to be the same old story or are we finally going to see something different here? Yeah, and I'm glad you kind of brought up Kincaid. And, of course, Knox got injured. And then on the defensive side of the ball, yes, you know, Von Miller's had his struggles. M- losing Milano was huge. A defensive captain, of course, Tredavious White, among others. Um, and I agree that given that, they have held up and managed to hold themselves in games. Like, they're not getting blown out or anything. but. No they're losing games that they really should be winning, including, including most recently against those Denver Broncos um, who have a good defense. Yes, but the bills should be winning those games. And up next is the jets. You've got a new look here and you bring up McDermott. How confident are you that this guy is still the head coach to take them ultimately over the hump and potentially to the promised land someday. And how confident are you that they can still make the playoffs because they have a extremely Tough schedule coming up here, Dwayne, third, and they might have to win out. Third hardest for ske- third hardest remaining schedule in the league. Um, you got the Chiefs, you got the uh, you got the Eagles, you have Dallas Cowboys, you have Miami again. Um, you have to go probably six and one the whole way through to comfortably make the playoffs. Five and two, and nothing's guaranteed. Um. Yeah, I, I uh, if they don't make the playoffs, man, if they end up finishing like nine and eight, I think McDermott's gone. Yeah, I really um, I, I'm grateful for Sean McDermott. Don't get me wrong; I think he's been, you know, great for this city, great for this franchise. He turned the culture around, and he put some respect on the Buffalo Bills again. Uh, 
you know, deservedly so for this fan base. But at the end of the day, like, is he enough to get you over the hump? You know, after 13 seconds, a lot of questions were asked. You saw, even though Leslie Frazier admitted uh, on, on some uh, radio show, actually, I think today, that it wasn't a firing. He wasn't fired by, it was a personal decision made by him. But like, at, you see 13 seconds happen. Like that might've been, I like to make this comparison in, in a hockey sense, that might've been what 0506 was for the Buffalo Sabres, the year uh, the Carolina won the cup when we went through all those injuries um, on the back end. McKee, right before game seven, announced he wouldn't be playing because he had a freak staff infection. Like if every, anything that could go wrong did go wrong that game. And they still lost, I think, two to one or three to two um, with AHL defensemen on their blue line, like multiple AHL defensemen. Um, you know, we would have steamrolled Edmonton in the finals that year to win the cup. I, I, I genuinely think that about the Bills two years ago when they lost that game into the Chiefs in overtime. I think if the, if, if the, it, 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 I remember sitting in my base, my, my base, my buddy, my buddy's basement, and everybody was losing their minds before they kicked that ball off. And I said, What are you all doing? There is, it was more than 13 seconds left on the clock at the time, but there is still time left in that clock, and that's still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like, you are out of your mind if you're celebrating right now. And then, the way they lined up on D, it was like the, the blame wanted to be on Leslie Frazier there. But in the, the day, that's a head coach's job to recognize why are they lining up 10 yards off of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill? Like, why are they so far off, like, the receivers and the tight end? Like, why are they protecting – like, why are they protecting the sidelines? The Chiefs have timeouts remaining. Like, there's no reason to be protecting the sidelines right now. That's it. That's a head coach thing. That's not a Leslie Frazier thing. That's a head coach thing. I feel like, yeah, it might have been a personal decision, but maybe Leslie felt like he was getting too much of the blame for a lot of things. And maybe he, he himself felt like he needed to step away. I don't know. That's just personal opinion. And then fast forward to this past Monday. We've seen a lot of like questionable coaching decisions, but nothing different than that 12th man on the field for a field goal that they that was really really bad that's rex bad ryan, that's bad rex ryan was fired for similar granted it happened more <laughs> at a much sure. more higher clip but like rex ryan was fired for things like that you the know break having enough guys in the field having too many guys in the field not having the right guys in the field uh, for me it's like if you miss the playoffs even by a game i think he's gone i do like i mean well, let me ask you this, Dwayne, because there's a lot of rumblings right now around the head coach, the longtime head coach of my favorite football team, the the mortal enemy of Western New York, and that's Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. There's a lot of talk that he might move on somewhere, and there's three spots. Everybody's throwing these lists out. There's three spots that I've written down that I think would be a great landing place for Bill Belichick. The first one's the L.A. Chargers. Just makes so much sense to me. They've already got a great offense. They can't stop a nosebleed, and Billy B does that better than anybody. I think that the Chargers would really benefit. The second one is Cincinnati, and I don't know what's going to go on with their head coach there. It, again, they, they're lining up for a potentially disappointing year. I know Joe Burrow was hurt. I think he could do a lot of good in Cincy. The third one, and I'd love your opinion on this, 
is the Buffalo Bills. Do you think that would you guys accept Bill Belichick there to potentially turn things around? I mean, I mean, I actually asked this question in a group chat last week with a bunch of guys whose opinions I respect on football. And they're all like, nah, hard pass, hard pass. I kind of think about it like, I'm not saying I want Bill Belichick over Sean McDermott. I would love for Sean McDermott to figure things out and get this team back into the playoffs and for us to eventually win a Super Bowl with Sean McDermott on the sideline. But if that's not going to be the case, dude, he's got how many rings does Belichick have? Six? Six, Six? yes. Yeah, that's coach. I mean, all with Brady, all with a legitimate franchise, greatest of all time quarterback. Uh, I'm not saying there's a lot of similarities between Tom Brady and Josh Allen. There aren't. There's not, but he's good. Like uh, Josh is good enough to win. We've seen worse quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Yes. You give Bill Belichick a guy, a stability again at the quarterback position, because I mean, he's had Mac Jones. Like I know he's tried to make it work with the guy, but like, he's terrible. He's bad. He's really bad. Um, They'll beat the Bills this year. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Sorry about that, brother. I'm not sorry, actually. I know. I know he beat the Bills. He beat the Bills twice. He uh, did. Last year, too, in that game, that, that fake game in the wind. <laughs> that fake, yes. Fake game the in the six wind. pass game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One completion, I believe. And I don't, I believe it was off a tip ball, too. It was, it was three. Pardon me, sir. It was three. Oh, sorry. Completions. Okay. Yes. Um, anyways, um, I think given a quarterback like Josh Allen, um, yeah, I think he could find his way again, hundred percent. I'd be, I'd be willing to give it a try. Um, I also, the coordinator from the lions, I forget his name. His name has been thrown around a lot. I I'm interested in that to see what he's done with Jared Goff. Um, it's been, it's been really good. Um, I think there's a lot of head coaches in both the NFL or coordinators and current college head coaches that would absolutely salivate at the opportunity to coach Josh Allen. Cause he is indeed a unicorn. He is. I think so and too. Man. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a very unique talent, a hundred percent. And I think that there'll be people, if the opportunities there, there'll be people lining up. I don't think Buffalo will have to call people. Speaking of that, you brought up the Sabres earlier and we got a few minutes left. I, I got to gauge your temperature here. Cause I, I know you're a Sabres guy about, first. About <laughs> no, I, but I got to gauge. I know you're Sabres guy first. What the hell's going on there? I have Devin Levi on my fantasy team. What the hell's going on in Buffalo right now? This was supposed to be a step forward. I mean, it's still pretty early in the season. We're what? 15 games in um, 16. Wayne, I don't want to hear that. Listen, I know, I know, I know, but. What's going wrong? What do they need to, what's the number one problem they need to fix right now? Behind the bench. Really? You're, you're out on Donnie meatballs. I'm not saying I'm out on Donnie meatballs. I'm out on his entire staff though. Wow. I mean, if you really want to do some research, special teams aren't good, man. Like Steve, because his name's Steve Christie or whatever the his name is. Who cares? I mean, you go from having one of the best power plays in the league to one of the worst. Um, Listen, I uh, I respect the the fact that you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach. It's well known, you know, time in and time out again. But like, 
can someone explain to me why the fuck Matt Ellis is a coach in the NHL? He was coaching 13U before he took an assistant coach NHL job. 13U, Ryan. 13U. Yeah. Why is he behind an NHL bench? You had a guy like Mike Pekka, who, granted, was coaching a lot of jun- a lot of hockey for the Junior Sabers. Yes, at all different age levels, he was their general manager. Um, yeah, but that's Mike OJHL. Uh, yeah, the o- is the OJHL, I believe, the Junior Sabers. I believe, yeah. Um, but he went and did a year of development with the Capitals as a as a development coach, and then. He did two years in Rochester. So why is that guy in New York right now? And why the hell do we have Matt Ellis behind our bench? What, like, I, I just don't understand. I've never understood why you wouldn't surround Don Granado with either, whether it's a retread head coach, just, just guys who have been there, guys who know what it takes to get to the playoffs from a coaching point. Like, I, I just don't understand that. And – you, like, for instance, you see just the simple mistakes this team makes night in and night out, just how soft they are below the dots on both sides of the ice. Like, defensively, like, for instance, first goal against Boston, uh, the first goal against uh, in the Boston game, Levi gives up a rough rebound, but rebounds are going to happen. It's inevitable. You're going to give up rebounds. Owen Power, six foot six, 230 pounds, literally standing next to. Uh, I forget who it was to score. They're going to be laying in maybe um, shoulder to shoulder with him, shoulder to shoulder. And he's just watching the puck come in and it hits the ice. And then he just whacks at it, whacks in the empty net. And Owen's just watching. It's like, I don't need you to be Chris Pronger there, but put your body on it. Tie up a stick, man. Do something other than watch him. It just drives me absolutely up a wall, Jury, to watch this guy, this fr- former first overall pick just a few sh- few years ago, just play like he's the size of Nathan Gerby. And even if he was Nathan Gerby, Nathan Gerby played with a bigger set, set of balls than the way Owen Power is right now. It, it drives me absolutely up a wall. And it's not just him. It's all up and down the lineup. This team has no jam. They have no grit. I know the analytics nerds hate those words. They hate grit. They hate jam. But it's so true. This team is soft. And just like how they say in football, the, the game of football is won at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. A lot of games in hockey are won below the dots in each end. And we consistently lose those battles. We consistently lose those, lose those battles. And I don't know what it's going to take because it's not like guys don't know how to take a beating in the offensive zone in front of the net or guys don't know how to tie up a man in front. It's like you don't need Owen Power to go in there and lay a hit in front of the net, knock somebody on their ass. But if you watch that game, whenever Linus Omar gives up a rebound, the close is either on their ass or tied up. It's yep. not the same case. Devin Levi can't afford to give a rebound like that because chances are the guy in front isn't going to be tied up. It's yeah. so infuriating. Like nothing has changed since Ristolainen was here. It blows my <laughs> mind. Oh no, Dwayne. Dwayne, that's you're bringing me back to you're bringing me back to a dark place here. Okay, the Ristola, Let Let's not bring that up. Look, bud. I I knew this would get you fired up. I didn't mean to rile you up this bad. But really quick, in in some good news, really quickly here, we got about two minutes left. 
The show's going great. Two goalies, one mic. You got to check it out, especially if you're a Buffalo sports fan. You guys got some new sponsors going over there. You and Hurls and the gang, you got yeah, some yeah. exciting stuff. Let's talk about that to end this off quickly. Exciting things happening with the show. Yeah, uh, for the first time since the show began, we do have some sponsor, uh, Fatty Beer Company, uh, local uh, staple here in Western New York now. Um, they uh, uh, a good friend, friend, uh, not just friend of the show, but just friend in life, Nick Fatty. Uh, you know, we went back and forth for a while, and we were able to get that done. Uh, so that's really cool. They have seven uh, Western New York locations, over three hundred beer selections. Almost like I'm doing an ad read. Um, yeah, there you go, brother. And they're kid and kid and dog friendly too, which is awesome. I like, I love any any chance I get when I do go bringing my dog uh, down the dog with me. And then Buffalo Go uh, Apparel, uh, local Buffalo uh, <clears throat> local Buffalo Sports Clothing Company. It's actually right around the corner from my house. Eric, he's a great dude. Um, <clears throat> you know, gonna produce a lot of our uh, future merch, and um, you know, gonna have a lot of fun with that because uh, if you check them out at buffalogo.com. If you're a Bills fan or a hockey fa- Sabres fan or really just a Buffalo fan, this, the, the uh, selection they have is like second to none. The Stefan 316 shirt from when he smashed the beer cans together, that, that that's a beauty. Or I would highly suggest if you're a Sabres fan, the uh, Buffalo NHL Shield hockey ball cap. Um, the yeah. NHL logo shields is Buffalo instead of NHL. Uh, it's sharp, it's dude. Be, it's to be available in Goathead colors. Absolutely, dude. Dwayne, thanks so much for doing this, my friend. Two goalies, one mic. You're the best, dude. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Instigating with Clarky and Drury, ending the show. And look who decided to show up from the balmy beaches of Jamaica, man. It's Clarky. What's up, man? What are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm just sitting on the balcony enjoying the night. What are you doing? Well, I'm sitting back here in cold, dreary Ontario, and you're on vacation right now. You sh- you shouldn't be on the show. What are you doing? You should be living it up down there. Hey, you know what? It's We got some downtime just before dinner. I thought I would just call my buddy Ryan and see what's going on. What's happening? Oh, nothing's happening, man. It's, uh, I, I, you know. I, I, got, I, I haven't been in touch for the last couple of days, and I went on Twitter today, and I saw this huge trade by the Leafs, and I'm like, Holy, um, but um, it was a fake trade, of course. But it was a it was a doozy. I'll tell you that much. They they were getting uh, Zadorov and uh, and Tanev in the deal. Just so you know. Uh huh. Yeah. What were they giving up? A uh, seventh round. Uh, the Leafs were giving up uh, Timmins, um, oh. Klingberg. Uh, oh, yeah, perfect. A first and a and a third. You know, like all the all the normal stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, absolutely. Completely normal stuff. Um, That's great. Yeah. May, hey, maybe it might take a first. You never know who, who knows. I think Sidorov yeah. will probably end up there for you. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously. Yeah. What about there. those Argos, eh? Like, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. It was a very disappointing Eastern final, wasn't it? Like we had a football team in Toronto with a 16 and two record. Never um, has a team 16 and two gone through to the final uh, and it still hasn't happened. And I tell you what, Chad Kelly looked like he forgot how, how to play football. Yeah. He was terrible. I couldn't believe it. He was. And bef- before the great cup, you know, it would, it would have been great to check in with Hoagie. We'll, we'll do that uh, yeah, at some yeah, point when the yeah. season's over, we'll check in with yeah. our buddy Hoagie. I'm sure he's not 
having a good time with this. But now yeah. it kind of lines up for a Montreal Winnipeg final, and it's uh, who cares? Who cares? Well, you know, I'm sure no, some no one people. Cares. Nobody oh, cares. Okay. No, it's, it's uh, you know what TSN must be like, just like shaking their head. Like, you can't tell me that this audience is not going to be the same as it would have been if Toronto was there, and like it would have been Great Cup Week and one and Hamilton would have been so much fun with the Argos there. It's just not going to be the same, and they have no one to blame but themselves. I could not believe the amount of turnovers in that football game, and, and like. Even in the third quarter, the Argos get a touchdown to pull within two. And I think, okay, there's tons of time left. Everything's good. And then on the kickoff, Montreal returns it for a touchdown. And right then and there, I'm like, it's over. Like, it's over now. But Chad Kelly, just as I said, looked like he forgot how to play football. He was just throwing up footballs to, like, like I, I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't. And it was just, it was was comical at times. It really was. Yeah, it was strange. It was bizarre to watch after they played so well. He played so well. And yeah, I think I think the kick return TD was was the backbreaker, but they were turning the ball over immediately, yeah. like at the start of the game, immediate turnovers. I believe three turnovers in yeah. the red zone, well, that, too. Like they were that, turning that, the ball yeah. over. Oh. That, that first the first the first possession, the Argos march down the field and at the five yard line, they throw a pick six back. It goes 105 yards the other way. I mean, it was just, it was crazy how it happened. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing about the CFL, the Argos had first place wrapped up what two and a half months ago. They hadn't played an important game in two and a half months. And it's hard to pick it back up. Um, immediately after that Montreal, of course, had a big game in the, in the Eastern semifinal against Hamilton. Um, so they they had some pressure the week before, and it's really hard just to turn it on and off. And we talked to Hoagie about it, about um, um, resting players. And I don't know. It's just you got to do it. I get it because you don't want guys to get hurt. But, boy, if Chad Kelly had to come in on a roll, the game would have been different. There's no question about it. Hey, do you like my I hat? Th- I think Can so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. good. Did you? Yeah. It's good. Did you use your salesman technique? Did you work a deal out to acquire that hat or what? Like, I didn't have to open my wallet. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's about what I figured. Uh, spe- well, speaking of that though, before we yeah. get to everyone's favorite segment, of course, we got to thank our great sponsors. Of course, our friends at Conway furniture, and we're going to get to the couch potato in a minute here. Of course, our friends, at Larry Hudson, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, and of course, the list will squash courts. And you're on vacation, Clarky, so it feels weird to ask you about work. But there's always something going on over at Larry Hudson's, even when Clarky's not there, right? The deals remain hot. Well, the Black Friday sale is on, right? So it's it's it, the deals are hot. The Black Friday sale is on at Larry Hudson. So there's great opportunities, 23s. We're blowing them out. Come on in and get one of the 2023s that are left, and uh, you'll be happy you did if you uh, come in and ask for me or ask for your sales rep, one or the other. But, yeah, the deals are, as you say, Ryan. They're hot. <laughs> They're hot. And are it's they- hot down here. It's hot here. I was going to say, are they as hot as Jamaica? Maybe hotter. I would say hotter. 
for sure. Okay. We're having a little rain, to tell you the truth. We've had okay. a rainy day today, but uh, hey, you can still sit around on a balcony with shorts on, so I'll I'll take that any day. Hasn't dampened your spirits at all. Uh, maybe this no. will. Maybe what this will. will. I, I, I'm curious as to who your Conway Furniture Couch Potato is. Now, listen, everybody. A lot of times when we do this segment, it has a bit of a negative slant to it. All right? There's some positive ones, no doubt about it. But look, yeah. being a couch potato, when we take a negative approach to it, being a couch potato is not always a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's a great thing. When you see our friends at Conway Furniture, they got a lot of great sales. They got a lot of great products in there. Love seats, full couches, chairs, everything, kitchen sets. Look, you want to be a couch potato and enjoy kickback on NFL Sunday, watch Hockey Night in Canada, whatever you want to do when you're couch potatoing, you can do that with our friends at Conway Furniture. And the prices you see on everything in there, that includes HST and delivery. Now, Clarky, I want you to deliver your couch potato. I have a feeling I know what it might be. Well, I had three to pick from, okay? Yes. The first one I could have used last week because I, I gave this guy a little bit of an easy run last week, even though I should have I should have you know brought it to our attention. I was not going to say anything about our friend at the squash courts, Alan McCarthy, um, because... Uh, you know, he went to he went to Niagara and had a pretty good tournament. Um, but then when he said to you about me losing to an 11 year old, I thought I'm going to give it back to Al a little bit. But I didn't. I didn't. I was good. I didn't give it back to him. But all I want to say about Al, he's not much co my couch potato. Is he he lost his first match and went into the relegation and made it to the final and thought he might have won a prize because he he won the relegation final. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So he's you not your couch potato. He's not my couch potato. My second uh, candidate this week was me. I'm a couch potato this week. You are, I'm dude. Sitting in the sun uh, in the in the in in the Caribbean. It's not Caribbean, right? It's Caribbean. How do you say? Sure. It? Well, well, what's Pirates, the movie called? Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, it's the Caribbean. Right. Yes. So I'm here. But my couch potato, I mentioned him already. And unfortunately, he's not going to be in Hamilton this week. But Chad Kelly, um, unfortunate, unfortunate game. He will bounce back. I'm confident he will bounce back. But he is my couch potato this week. Chad Kelly of the Yes, and I'm I'm not surprised. And and we feel bad. I, I Clarky's an Argos fan. He did not do this lightly. This is tough. I was for so bummed. I was so bummed. It is. I was. Is. I was, was too. not the way this was supposed to go down. And I, no. I, I'm flying back. I'm flying back on Sunday afternoon, and I had made like in, plans in my head. Like as soon as I get back, I'm gonna throw the radio on, listen to that Great Cup game because we land at like seven o'clock. So I was gonna have to listen to the Great Cup all the way home, which was fine. But now I don't have to. I don't have to do that. I think Winnipeg's no. going to walk. And Mike O'Shea deserves a great cup. I like Mike O'Shea, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're not going to you're yeah. not going to tune in and catch Green Day at halftime? Um maybe. Maybe. Yeah. They're good. What's wrong with that? That's Nothing. A good, that's a good get. It it, yeah, it it's a, a get. It's a huge get for for the CFL. Yeah. They're going to do a big yeah. tour next year. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Green Day. I'll tune in. That's Why not? awesome. Yeah. 
Yes. Not, Absolutely. Not Lionel Richie, not Lionel Richie, but it's okay. No. Now, it's... what is your couch potato, my friend? Well, uh, look, my couch potato, this is something that I have griped on for <laughs> the entirety of this show and and the show we used to be on together and for many years now i have been part of an active campaign of anger and disdain toward one john f fisher i am sick of this guy and this criminal is gonna get away with it and rob manford helped him do it and the two of them if you don't mind everyone and i'm sure our friends at conway furniture don't mind because there's lots of room on their love seats there I'd like yep. to place both of those gentlemen on my couch this week for the couch potato. Again, in a negative sense, these two guys are the laziest pukes that have ever been involved with the sport of baseball. John Fisher in particular, say what you want about Rob Manfred. He's helped institute yeah. a couple of good things this year. I liked the pitch clock. I liked the rule changes and he's in charge of all that. I get it. However, he and the other owners, as we record this on Thursday, it was this day that it was unanimously approved that John Fisher is going to be able to rip the Oakland A's out of Oakland and move them to Vegas where they will fail. They will be a terrible product there. And not only are those two couch potatoes, the legislators and people who allowed this to happen in Vegas should also join them on an extended love seat because they have been ripped off and they've allowed their constituents to be ripped off. This guy will not spend money on the team. He will not spend money on the roster. He will not spend money to improve your fan experience. And you will be paying top dollar to watch an awful, awful baseball team. And it pains me to see them leave Oakland. It's a disaster. John F. Fisher took his silver spoon-fed gap money from mummy and daddy and pulled off one of the greatest swindle jobs in professional sports history. And for that reason, he is absolutely my couch potato. I'm sick of it. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's a good one. Um, you know, Vegas You know, started with hockey, very successful franchise come in, uh, startup franchise. Um, then the Raiders come in, uh, not very good. Uh, and now the A's, which are just uh, just not very good at all. So it's not going to be good. And they're going to be playing baseball in very hot weather down there. I guess they'll have a dome, right? They're not, where are they, they playing? They don't know. That's just it. Right. They don't know. Exactly. There's no, exactly. There's no finalization of a stadium. They don't have no. designs built. They don't have. No. They don't have. You cannot renderings. play outside in Vegas. You cannot. Play no, outside. they unless can't. Every they game, can't. Unless every game's a night game, you know, like just the opposite of the Cubs, you know, back in the heyday, they cannot play during the day in Las Vegas in the middle of August. No, when it's 120 degrees. You cannot do it. You can't do it. So, yeah, it, it's not good. They they need to get rid of this owner. But how do you get rid of an owner? How have a bunch of other leagues done it? I mean, you just push the guy out. It, it's And they won't do it for some reason, and I yeah. don't know why. I don't know why they bent to the whims of this guy, and I I just can't stand it. And, and keep in mind that there was an agreement potentially in place with the city of Oakland to build something at Howard Terminal, and the difference that they could not make up was $80 million. John, John Fisher has 
he couldn't come up with $80 million to build a great new stadium in Oakland and keep that historic franchise there. It's a joke. Yeah. This guy's worth billions of yeah. dollars and he couldn't come up with 80. Yeah. He's never spent 80 on the roster. Well, you thought he was yeah. going to make that difference up. And I feel bad, not only of course, for my fellow Oakland A's fans who, uh, I mean, it's dead to me now. I, it, it, it's, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel bad for the fans, of course. I feel bad for the people of Vegas, but I also feel bad for some of the great young players that are coming through because that's Oakland's thing. They always find new young guys, Zach Galoff and all those guys that are young coming through now. I feel terrible for them. The the history, the history of the Oakland A's too. Like the the Toronto Blue Jays and Oakland A's have a great history together. You know, dating right back to 89, 91. Like we had some great series Jays and and A's with Dennis Eckersley and Ricky Henderson. And it was great. And, you know, like, I don't know, the Bay Area deserves. I was actually working um, the San Francisco Oakland A's World Series with the uh, with the earthquake. Yeah, Um, I was back in the studio uh, at Holly Street for Telemedia Sports when all that went down. And we were one of the first ones to get the phone line back up and running um, out of the stadium at that point. But a wild, wild time. It was a very, very wild time for sure. Yep. And it's all being washed away at the whims of a spoiled brat billionaire. And it's very, very sad. There you go. It's very sad. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, there you go. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of your vacation, brother. Just the opposite, the opposite of a um, couch potato is my girlfriend, Sue, who's the reason I'm here. And uh, she's, she's been producing this segment. Come on over here. You got to get on this side of the camera. She's producing this segment. She's she's got her Jamaica hat on, so we're all good down here, Ryan. Everything's good, okay. So you don't have to worry about us. If we don't come back. Don't don't send the search party. Uh, okay, man. I I, I <laughs> might though because I need you. Your name's on the show, and I don't feel like changing it. So that's okay. I can I can keep coming on from here. That's okay, fine. that's fine, okay. dude. Right on. Well, enjoy the vacation. Right. Thank and you. It was great to have you on. We didn't think we'd see you. Ah, I always make an appearance, buddy. There he is, Clarky on the show. <laughs> All right. You can watch this show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. That's channel 6 for Whiteman subscribers. Remember, we debut on our YouTube channel Friday nights at 9. You can follow us on social media at Instigating Pod. Find us on all your favorite podcast networks. And uh, remember, give us a follow. And thanks again to our friends at Conway Furniture, our friends at Larry Hudson, Chevrolet Buick, GMC, and, of course, Listable Squash Courts. Clarky's in Jamaica. I'm back here. We're still rocking and rolling. And guess what? Even if Clarkie's still beachside next week and never comes back, he will be <laughs> back on the show. Instigator will be say back here before in next week. Hey. Irie. Irie. It'll all be Ari. There you go. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more Instigating.